0: Just a little bit longer till midnight, and then it's hello 2020! A new decade. My decade. This is the decade I'm finally gonna make something of myself. Me! A guy in his 30s with universally unrecognized talents and a useless degree.
1: Don't forget the pending recession.
0: How could I? Yep, the 20s are gonna be great for people in their 30s who dress like they're in their 20s.
1: A hoodie under a denim jacket will... Always be a good look. That's what I've been saying.
0: Hey, thanks for coming to launch fireworks with me on a night I'm going to call Trouble at Wildfire Gulch. This place doesn't actually have a name since it burned down 10 years ago. 10 years ago tonight, actually, for New Year's 2010. I was actually there for it. I was the only one there. The cop who came to celebrate with me afterwards thought I was some guy named Prime Suspect, but I don't see that guy much anymore. Nobody does.
1: Five! Four! Three! Wait, 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 wait. A moment like this needs the perfect soundtrack for the city of Los Angeles by a Mr. Randy Newman. <gasps> I
0: love LA. We love it. Play it, Greg, play it. Happy, Happy New Year. Year! We love, love it. it. Hello, roaring. Oh my God, somebody started a fire. Look at that
1: fire go. It's reached the Port
0: Gas League. <gasps> We We love it. it! The explosion kicked up all the nuclear fallout from Santa Susana.
1: We love it! The nuclear fallout radiated all the illegal guns in the city, and there was a nuclear gang war. We love
0: it! Now everyone's trying to make it in time for the nuclear gang war, so
1: every freeway in the city is backed up. We love it! All the cars running heated up the atmosphere that melted the snow on the grapevine. That created a mudslide that knocked out a power cable and started another fire. We love
0: it! Oh god, the firefighters are trying to get to the fire, but all the Instagram influencers are forcing them to take pictures with them first.
1: Aww. Man, now an open mic broke out. Dating
0: in LA isn't hard. You're hard to be around. (sighs) the fire evaporated
1: the reservoir now we have a double drought
0: and all this steams mated with the smog
1: and created a plague of darkness the presence of an obvious biblical plague has reawakened the Spanish missions and they're enslaving everyone in a 10-mile radius to make more orange grove ads to get people from Ohio to move here
0: now the coalition of concerned citizens on nextdoor.com are marching on the missions to free the slaves but they got distracted by some homeless people on the way and are just belittling them instead
1: and all this was one big big distraction while the city council passed an ordinance that all houses in the city will cost a minimum four million dollars.
0: But hey, it's always a cool 71 degrees. Even this wildfire that you started.
1: What?
0: We WE LOVE IT! been practicing this
1: oh
0: for like a month
1: i didn't think it was for this oh. that whole
0: intro was a practice all of the intros we've ever done have been warm ups warms ups
1: for warm's the current ups. episode yeah for the thing that i had to say immediately after the theme song yeah okay uh cowboy did i do it right i know i'm a little behind star wars back to the future baseball happy baseball, happy baseball day
0: <laughs> happy baseball day to happy you b- i'm daniel zafrin
1: i'm greg gonzalez hi uh
0: you have glitter on your head how so
1: <laughs> I thought you'd never bring it up. On my hat or my head? The more you move, the more I'm seeing it. Did you know that I'm early David Bowie? I thought I'm I earlier knew. at David Bowie. God damn it, like, I knew it. That's how I know, I know. you.
0: Take out that contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at David Bowie. You're David Jones, that's right. His name is Davy Jones, yeah, isn't it? That's, that's probably ridiculous. And
1: also because David Bowie is a much better name than Davy Jones.
0: Is it? Yeah. Greg, Davy Jones. <laughs> you got built-in mythos.
1: <laughs> Hi, everybody.
0: You, you still have glitter on your face. I'm <laughs> not
1: going to get rid of it. Like, you dragged me out at this ungodly hour to record this <laughs> miserable podcast.
0: Like, <laughs> How dare you bring me out at 7.30 on a Saturday. <laughs> I should be at the spa
1: right now. The I,
0: glitter spa, which I, is where I came from, which is why I have glitter all over me.
1: I was watching. Last night, I could not sleep. Okay, I watched A Muppet Christmas Carol, and then it was over. I'm like, eh, I miss it. And I watched it. So I wa- last night, I watched Muppet Christmas Carol two times. That's ridiculous. And I watched Scrooge go to bed and fall asleep, and I was so envious.
0: Whenever I see Scrooge in his house, even though it's supposed to be miserable, I'm like, ooh, that looks, <laughs> that looks nice. I wish I could go to bed like him yeah. and not be interrupted like him. <laughs> Him. I've Three never ta- seen this thrice? movie
1: before. Hi. We hope that um, all our Aussie fans are okay. All the Aussie meeklings out there are okay, because I heard that Australia is on fire right now.
0: Again? During Christmas? Well, right. I know one of our Australian fans is fleeing, so maybe we have a culprit we maybe. might want to investigate.
1: Check him. Check him. At Alice Island him or, him or where wherever. Wherever they take people. <laughs> when, when he they flies the... into Ellis Island,
0: when he docks on the torch of the Statue <laughs> of Liberty, like Air Force One refueling. The check-in
1: center at the yeah. Statue of Liberty. Fight this French statue, and then you're American.
0: Fight this sultry French woman <laughs> <laughs> prove you love America kill her <laughs> <laughs> snap her neck like an American now you really love liberty by killing liberty
1: <laughs> that's let, like when Luke Skywalker goes into the forest yeah, let liberty die kill it if you have to Star Wars has come out let's talk about that
0: now oh.
1: uh, the, the movie that neither one of us can see right now yeah
0: I'm still not done with December I just can't get over it let's yeah you so much what did you do if you love it so much why don't you get married to it you seem to do that a lot <laughs> what did you do in December you go first well mine is uh, mine's a little abstract
1: oh god I have no you pick yeah. something out of the bag and I, like the no. foam is in the way and I can't see it <laughs> uh,
0: observe this cute <laughs> what do you uh, see here you went to oh. therapy and
1: you're pulling up a rorschach what do you see because my therapist got really weird when i said three dead cats on the road three dead cat penises <laughs> so my thing
0: you know you, if you've read between the lines of this podcast you know that for the past two years i've been living in a waking
1: hell oh jesus
0: Christ. i've had a horrible neighbor situation for the past uh-huh. two years of loud music till four in the morning yeah. screaming gunshots drug dealing mm. crazy stuff um, smells i know about all of it well i treat you as something of a journal you're <laughs> <laughs> you are something of my Tom Riddle's journal. Greg, pull up the text from October. Anyway, that situation's over. Those mm-hmm. people are gone. But I know a lot of people are probably in not nearly as bad of a situation as yeah. I have been in. Exactly. No one could possibly have ever suffered as much as I have yeah. these last two years. But <laughs> these last two years have been so hard for me and my family and I can only apologize. <laughs> a lot of people are probably, I, from what I understand, are in situations with neighbors who play loud music and mm-hmm. loud bass all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, bad people who can't be stopped. And sure, I've been lobbying for if you live in an Apartment, you can't own a subwoofer. And sure, I've been laughed out of Brad Sherman's office.
1: Sure, I've had many sit down meetings with LAPD to talk about this.
0: Well, that's another thing.
1: Okay, before you continue, you have become late era Lenny Bruce, obsessed with litigation. You mean a legend? (laughs) Uh, You mean right? You mean within his rights? You mean really awake? (laughs) Completely
0: clear eyed? (laughs) Yeah, the FBI's tapping my hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) They're after the Super Jew. Which I've inherited the makeup of the Super Jew. Is that what you're (laughs) trying? Christmas, Greg. This is my time. That's another thing. Like, not only did I have these horrible neighbors, but if you're in this situation, your management is not going to do anything mm-hmm. for you. They don't care, and the LAPD are not going to do anything for you because they don't care. That Nobody's hip hop. I know. Nobody's. <laughs> I. Dial 911 a long time ago. I mean, sure, if I was in Brentwood, (laughs) the police would be there right away. But in Sherman Oaks, nobody is going to help you if you're in that situation. It's bad. If you can't move, what you should get is something I got to drown out the sound because people kept saying like, oh, you just get a white noise machine for that music that's in your ear at three in the morning. But a white noise machine, you know, or like rain or something like that, that doesn't block bass frequencies because that's white noise but there's brown noise as well which is lower frequency like the hum of an air conditioner which you're hearing in the background let's listen to it for a second so white noise will not block out bass but if you get a brown noise machine it will so what i got is a it's electro fan apostrophe l fan and it has like different settings for brown noise and it I mean if it's really bad it won't but if it's you have no other option it will help you if you need that for bad neighbors which I'm sure a lot of people in Los Angeles have because everyone lives in an apartment especially people who listen to this have we as we've made as I've seen from sending out shirts to people. I know shirts which are no longer available Please don't ask <laughs> us. Yeah. get back to us in a month uh, yeah you know I drove by all these people's apartments <laughs> that I sent these shirts to just to could, see what their situation
1: yeah, was I couldn't afford shipping
0: I dressed up as a postman <laughs> as I (laughs) do i killed all the neighborhood dogs as a postman does i fit into the character but yeah if you have a bad neighbor situation you should consider that if it's driving you crazy with the bass it neutralizes the sound Uh, i I know a lot of people are in this situation the more i complain to people about it they also said like yeah me too people are bad and it it sucks that you have to buy something to be able to live comfortably but uh nobody
1: will ever help you and nobody will show you any consideration do you think that brown noise drove you a little bit batty no your hair is not combed right now and you haven't blinked in like Two minutes. What are you talking about? Let, let, let me show you the paperwork that I threw uh, hey, up about hey, why I have not comb my hair. Well, if I comb my hair, then the FBI will <laughs> listen to why my thoughts are. The comb is how they transmit messages, and I don't need their messages. I got my own messages to worry about. <laughs> I don't know I don't, what, I'm going to pick up the Federal Bureau of Investigations messages in my hair? No thanks. That's how they get your DNA. Thank you, though. That is good, helpful information. If you
0: need it, it's yeah. a good alternative to city living. My
1: suggestion to you always was to uh, just hit him in the mouth. Oh, God, it would have felt so good, yeah. but and then my fist would have hurt.
0: If I, I hit him it. in the mouth, I would have validated his
1: existence. <laughs> I'm glad that your situation's better. You deserve it. Yeah, We glad. both deserve it. We bo-
0: my data plan deserves it.
1: So what did you do in the past month? Did you have bad neighbors too in the past? I mean, I lived in a gang house. So yeah, I, I didn't have bad neighbors. I was the bad neighbors. I got my master's degree while people were fighting in my kitchen. So I have some sympathy for you, but not a lot. I finished my sign painting class. Oh. at trade tech Tray Tech's what do you, a wonderful what do you me school, to say what do you
0: want me to say I'm <laughs> to hug you nobody hugged me um, I would say congratulations but you're going right back in so it's not full yeah up. I'm going for two nothing's ever really
1: over you want to go see star wars right now <laughs> i kind of want I've to I've been dropping this. subtle hits,
0: <laughs> you know brown noise like the noise darth vader's breathing apparatus <laughs> like, you know, makes
1: i finished that trade takes a wonderful school only time i've ever had school spirit is at la trade tech weird i went to the queen mary after we did our episode that's where i really went it's the second time there i have to make a correction though because i think yeah, that I
0: you've probably cost a lot of listeners a lot of money yeah that they could have spent on electro
1: <laughs> it's not free to be aboard the queen mary you have to buy a ticket and that's forty dollars that's insane what we did queen mary would we'll probably not do <laughs> (laughs) field trip if I say this but we made a reservation for a restaurant that's on the Queen Mary and when we got on board we're like I'm not that hungry so we just got drinks instead.
0: So if you make a reservation, you don't have to pay the admission. No. So you can just say like, hey, I'm going to the restaurant, and they're like, yeah. You have to make a reservation though. But if what happens if you don't if you don't show up to the reservation, they're then not, they're gonna, not gonna go through your phone
1: and ask you. Or you can just always eat there because claim are. you're a ghost. That's what I've been trying to say in every situation. I'm DMV. I don't have to wait in line. I'm a ghost. I don't need to take a photo. And I sh- I feel like this fee should be less because I'm <laughs> only half alive. I'm mostly a cold spot and, and an echo. So I don't know if you're gonna charge me the whole thing or not. The Queen Mary is beautiful though. I love. It's after doing all the research on it and walking around like wow, look yeah, at no, this! Look yeah. at, like <laughs> this is what Daniel was talking about. <laughs> trying to tell Edwin and Ada about it as they already heard the episode. They're like, yeah, we know. I'm like, yeah, but look, Winston Churchill sat here, and they're like, yeah, it says it right here on the plaque that you're Let's see bit. how many times we can run
0: under this door. <laughs> I know how this ends. I'd like to go there, but I definitely not don't. I'm definitely not paying to get on that boat. Yeah, let's get to um, our question for this month. Oh, that's right. Also, uh,
1: someone made a correction that it's not Cunard. It's Cunard. Who said this? A source. It can't be Cunard. Joanna said it. What has she ever been right about? <laughs> oh, this question's from
0: Joanna. Um, her question is, if you guys did an episode on anything outside of Los Angeles, what would you like to do? I didn't know an answer for me because I was only thinking I know what Greg's going to say.
1: Yeah, you got it right. I mean, I have a couple, maybe three. But out loud, when you ask the question, I'm like, Disneyland. Yeah. Easily Disneyland. Your three
0: are Disneyland, California Adventure, sure. and, and Disneyland the, Hotel. The parking
1: lot to Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. That gas station right outside of Disneyland.
0: <laughs> My three favorite things outside of Los
1: Angeles. <laughs> (laughs) in order i get disneyland i get why it's bad i get why it's trash i don't you know i get it's just like a it's like a corporate giant thing that i'll never be able to afford to go to again i still go through photos from the 60s and i'm fascinated by early disneyland and i i'm very interested in well and it's also like it it might as well be in los angeles it's off the five like it's awesome i know how to take the streets there if i can take the streets there then it's pretty close if you're
0: you're gonna accept disneyland you have to take all the rest of orange county with it is that what you want greg that's
1: exactly what you want we'll give them venice beach if they give us disneyland
0: can't they be like a guam like they're, they're los Angeles, but they can't vote in our elections
1: i'm really interested in california history altogether like out like reading that book uh cross of thorns about the mission system like we have two here but like all of the missions throughout california are really interesting and there's like revolts stories about spanish stories about uh different tribes battling it out in day-to-day lives i'm very interested in that like everything california history interests me i'd like to do an episode like Hammett versus chandler but Hammett had nothing to do with la
0: yeah i was thinking in the question like I, we have to be talking about something close to los angeles can't yeah. just be like i want to talk about the yukon the, yeah <laughs> the, but i do want to <laughs> talk about the yukon I, a yeah, thing. I do. of course i, <laughs> I want to talk about the yukon
1: like my dream is that we run out of things in la and was, we just become like a smoothly yeah or as I've don't, said before, don't do this to it. Don't region be, by region. Midwest meekly. Yeah, right. That'll be a, that'll be a quick month. <laughs> what are your answers?
0: My, I only have one answer, and I, I don't know Disneyland. if you're going <laughs> to. It is California for <laughs> sure. The Santa Susana meltdown, because that happened in Simi Valley. I know that you seem to feel that, like, well, it spread into here. Yeah, it's like right. Okay. Uh,
1: it's connected to us. It's like the Yukon's not connected to us, only like emotionally.
0: Well, this was a nuclear cold <laughs> rush of sorts.
1: I find barriers like that. Arbitrary listen it's stu- to Mr.
0: Rileni Bruce here. Oh my god, <laughs> unlock your mind, Daniel.
1: Like, Manzanar's far. I mean, we're not now.
0: We're getting into John, not Jonathan Gold. What is his name? Jonathan Nathan Masters. Nathan Masters. Nathan Masters. Now we're getting
1: into Nathan Masters territory. Lost
0: LA, and we're talking about Manzanar, yeah. we're talking about Yosemite. Like, that's not that has, I mean, right, sure, you could stretch it if you're really desperate. If you really you really want that you've Emmy, long. <laughs> Sure, we can go for sweeps. We can do an episode on the Yukon. Can we do the Yukon? You could argue me into, yeah, yeah we can cover Santa Susana, but I, I consider that to be just outside of city limits. And that's something, but that is something I'm interested in. You, I can't if you think pitched
1: new. it, I wouldn't stop you. Like, yeah. I'm not, then I don't think like anybody see you try. I don't think anybody's going to be like, ah, you crossed this line that's on the map here. Oh boy. Oh yeah. You're going to have to turn in your podcast. Turn in your yeah. gun and podcast. Hang up the microphone. <laughs> there are clear barriers. Like, there's like a giant desert in between, or not desert, but like, there's there's a long stretch of nothing between us and fresno and that makes sense that we shouldn't talk about fresno but there's not it a makes long sense stretch. for a
0: lot of reasons we shouldn't <laughs> talk about fresno but
1: there's not a long stretch in between us and santa Susanna or us and disneyland or us and well
0: disney i think there is a big stretch between us because th- you're cherry picking with disneyland because you're saying like i like that but i do don't, not yeah, like I the don't. rest of that yeah. <laughs> and to be clear, we don't.
1: <laughs> it feels more like LA than Orange County. Oh, Angel Stadium man. feels more like Orange County because it's giant and corporate. But not Disneyland, which is giant and corporate. I'm it not. doesn't count. Because you say so. So, okay. <laughs> You're forty-nine. You really wanted that hamburger
0: <laughs> one day and you didn't you have any cash. You sold me a share.
1: <laughs> like, I think that there are obvious... We can't talk about that. And there's someone like, oh, we could that but i'm not gonna fight for it
0: other than that like i can't think of anything like even like santa barbara which is still pretty you know we have to go through simi valley camarillo mm-hmm. and oxnard but yeah, yeah, like yeah. even santa barbara like what That's- are we going? what do i want to talk about in santa
1: barbara mcconnell's yeah. The missions and the sieges, seizures by pirates. The seizures? Seizures by pirates. Santa Barbara is not LA and there's a huge difference. I don't feel the same difference with Santa Susana. Maybe Simi Valley, but still like, like Simi's connected to us in a lot of different ways, unfortunately.
0: Some things we give dual citizenship, but Disney. <laughs> mm, I mean, I told almost an
1: entire story that ended in Long Beach and for 45 minutes it was yeah, if, the, if it in ends, in lo- If it ends in Los Angeles <laughs> or starts
0: in Los Angeles or as a middle in Los Angeles, I'll allow it. But show me the proof that there's show any me. fallout in the <laughs> chat. Show me the proof.
1: You know that the fallout stop at that line right there.
0: Even the fallout knew the nuclear Whoa, activity. Oh, I
1: have to pay city fees, Los Angeles city fees. I'm sure. not pay go that.
0: The taxes. I'll stay in Simi Valley with all these cops.
1: <laughs> cops and marines.
0: We've made clear our yeah. boundaries, mm-hmm. and uh, we respect them. Yeah, we respect, yeah, each respect each boundaries. boundaries. That's what we're all about. Now, take off your shirt. Show me your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I like the top. You like the bottom. <laughs> So let's get into this month. It's January. Okay. It's the twenties. Welcome yeah. to the twenties. We did it. yeah, the twenties.
1: you Yeah, it's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of moonlight. Moonlight was the big new thing in the twenties,
0: and it's coming back. It was Watch the only thing you could read by. Yeah, that's why the werewolves started coming. Yeah, I can't wait for the guild the new Gilded Age. I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. wait for the new Great Gatsby, <laughs> the Greater Gatsby. I will die for the Greater Gatsby. For older Gatsby.
1: <laughs> I can't wait for mustard gas and trench warfare to come back.
0: Now that was the tens. We're out of the Oh yeah, you were World back. War i two already happened you're a few years world. ago. This is the Gilded Age. Things are going great for everybody but Germany, and things are going to get real but bad Germany for our children
1: and any American in the lower class.
0: That's the Gilded Age. There is no lower class anymore American gilded White. just like what we found up in the yukon <laughs> the gilded rush <laughs> uh, this month we're going to talk about record stores. stores record stores we're
1: gonna talk about record stores yeah i'm say it again no okay
0: let's start it off with uh my first one
1: please before before
0: bef- bu- before before so skipping record i was gonna put the needle on nah. my record so before there was amoeba and their cool casual staff thinking you're lame for buying the best of bread which i'm not <laughs> there was a place it for a friend there was a place just down the street doing it years earlier but in suits Ooh. at a place called Wallacks music city it all started in the heartland of Musicland, usa nebraska <laughs> this week on midwest meekly <laughs> nebraska it was grand island nebraska that's mm. where this that's where this all starts again did not start in los angeles but uh he's 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 about to get some serious... Son. Yeah. This is where Glenn Everett... Okay. He was born August 9th, 1910. As a kid in Nebraska, he had to make his own fun. So he dove headfirst into the only thing people in Nebraska know how to do to have fun, tinkering with electronics. (laughs) Early, early electronic. That's how you rebelled? Stop trying to hook a battery up to that pig. What's a battery? (laughs) What's the matter? Blood doesn't work for you anymore? You need electricity? (laughs) That thing that that young kid, Benjamin Franklin, was working with? The the guy who invented kites and keys? This, coupled with his love of music, naturally led him to become fascinated with radios. Mm. so listening to them and sticking his grimy little kid fingers into their electronic guts that's what he loved doing no more pigs he's yeah. not sticking his hands in pigs anymore because people kept
1: asking questions and they're yeah. like you know you're a serial killer and he's like oh, oh no no I kill radios <laughs> they kill radios don't
0: they <laughs> those radios you know the ones that oink and the ones that say please I'm your sister <laughs> he was so into this that when he was 10 he built a radio small enough to fit into a thimble
1: whoa which is really?
0: the most interesting thing to ever happen in Nebraska at the time and still ever so much so for sure a spy so so much so that this thimble radio which I think is what the FBI was spying on me with, <laughs> whenever I put my thimble on to do some knitting whenever
1: I put my silver cap teeth on yeah.
0: <laughs> whenever I played Monopoly <laughs> I could hear Woodrow Wilson trying to communicate with me and my neighbors are crazy this was so exciting that the thimble radio is taken all the way to Omaha to be put on display in a department store whoa and okay. this is like come see the thimble
1: I would you know you're making fun I would go see it I'd go see the yeah. I
0: mean if I was in Omaha
1: in 1915 or whatever <laughs> (laughs)
0: 1920. Actually, this was 100 years ago. This is the 100th 100th anniversary of the Thimble Radio. Why isn't this on a stamp? Why don't we have Thimbles as stamps, guys? Come on. It's
1: 2020.
0: Come on. We've come so far as a society. Why not Thimbles? (laughs) So they took it all the way to Omaha to be put on display in a department store, and then the Thimble was elected mayor.
1: But the glory of the Thimble
0: Radio had to come to an end in 1926 when his mother became sick, and the only remedy was that clean, pure air and sunshine of Los Angeles, California. And it's clean again 100 years later still just as fresh um, don't
1: breathe it all at once <laughs> just like a little bit each day
0: there's also not much left after those fires in australia <laughs> i knew all about it i was kidding i wasn't uh, getting news from you you're a stupid
1: person <laughs> why, why would i ever get news <laughs> yeah, from yeah, you? I, <laughs> I knew
0: that so at age 16 glenn was now living in north hollywood he went to north hollywood high school and then he went to franklin high school after that but in his free time he just couldn't stay away from his true passion radios. Thimbles. Thimbles.
1: Radios is old
0: news. Thimbles? Yeah. That's a hot new thing. Who wants to play with a Nintendo Switch when I have a thimble? He had outgrown thimbles, so now he was interested in building radios and bigger things. I want to put a, maybe a radio in a glove.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, or a
0: globe. A small globe, you know, the size of a thimble. <laughs> what he wanted to do was maybe I'll put a radio inside of a car. And keep in mind, this is the late 20s. So yeah. in the late 20s, said They six- were barely cars. They were basically thimbles. <laughs> in the, thimbles with wheels. In the late 20s, he successfully installed radios into model t cars and the first commercial radio wasn't sold to the public until 1930 so he seems to have made the first ever car radio wow. in north hollywood <laughs> according to him at least but it seems like that was the case in that burning junkyard north hollywood <laughs> it wasn't burning yet it was just a junkyard
1: <laughs> it was a regular trash
0: junkyard the Nebraska of Los Angeles <laughs> but that's insane that he yeah. first of all that there was a radio like someone's driving in a Model T I
1: think something's wrong with your engine buddy I can hear Glenn en- Miller coming out of it <laughs> your
0: engine one. sounds a lot like Al Bowling <laughs>
1: No, I'm listening to the newest tune. <laughs> I'm dancing and driving. I don't know if that's a crime, but I'm going to have to beat you with a stick for a while, son. You lost your marbles. Who a- are
0: you? The Great Gadsby?
1: <laughs> which I'm halfway through reading. Just published yesterday. <laughs> just gave me eyes. Just Don't gave tell out. me how it ends. <laughs> don't tell me what this Green eye monsters. <laughs>
0: don't tell me what that scary green <laughs> monster is at on the other side of the Montauk docks. How does this end for the world? So when he graduated high school, he enrolled at City College, which I guess that's LACC. Yeah, maybe. I think that becomes that. I don't know. Yeah. LA City College they just added LA to the front Right? Yeah, they do. Right? Am yeah. I right? Am I right? Let me get my brown noise. It drowns out the humor.
1: Must be brown noise all the time.
0: Maybe you should get a little
1: closer to your microphone. No <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> one heard that ripping insult that you
0: gave So City College, whatever that may be. Yeah. But he quickly ran out of money and he dropped out. So instead he spent the depression installing car radios, selling regular radios, and delivering the Hollywood News newspaper around the valley. So he was To f-
1: people who couldn't afford it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I can only pay for the classified section. But his car radio caught the eye of a producer at KFWB. News 98. News 98. So he hired him to... Inst- you
1: give us 15 minutes, we'll give you a big radio.
0: <laughs> we'll give you a job. <laughs> so he hired him to install one in his car. So this producer yeah. said, I want one, put yeah. one in my Model T. And he was so impressed with his handiwork that he hired him as a studio technician at Ooh. the KFWB studio. So wow. he spent a year there until he got a new job at a radio store at Fifth and Broadway called J.J. Newberry, mm-hmm. Dynamite. But in 1932...
1: <laughs> he also had to make Dynamite. That's what I'm trying to get at.
0: But in 1932, the store burned down Dynamite. So now he, like the rest <laughs> Of the country was jobless, yeah. so he created his own job and rented a space at one six three seven North Ivar in Hollywood. Okay. That he called Hollywood Radio, where he made and sold radios for the home and for your car. It's
1: pretty good business.
0: I keep thinking like you were doing this during the depression. Like who's
1: buying a yeah. like a radio
0: costs like four million dollars during it the sure depression. Did.
1: Like you're gonna have to leave a couple of your kids here, for yeah. workers, and yeah. you <laughs> can take a radio. And <laughs> I can
0: put radios in them if you want. <laughs> but if Sally, want, open I'm
1: your not. mouth. I'm <laughs> Close your mouth.
0: Mm. Wait a minute. I want to hear that commercial. <laughs> so this shop was successful enough that he was able to open five more locations. So I guess people wanted radios during the Depression.
1: You want to hear how sad they should be. How many shoes should I eat today?
0: But remember that radios was only half of his obsession. The other half was music. Okay. So this led to his desire to start adding little recording studios in some of his shops for people to cut their own records. So slowly, his recording booth started getting popular. So he teamed up with a guy named Al Jarvis, who he knew from his KFWB days, and also, this guy owned a record store near one of Wallach's shops, so they yeah. combined forces and they made a place called Hollywood House of Music. Everything is Hollywood with this guy, which was a record store where you could also record records. you, well, could, you could
1: buy a record, but you also could make own record.
0: Yeah, so you you create the inventory. I'm I mean, looking no, for
1: something I made already. Yeah. Do you
0: have the newest me? <laughs> Jarvis also broadcast a radio program from here called Make Believe Ballroom. This was also the location where a novelty song called "The World's Worst Record" was recorded, which features Wallach himself playing on I it. I gotta hear it. Yeah, that- I do. do, do Come stop me
1: please <laughs> do, 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 do. I don't know no. where you live Read, you read leave the great them. Gatsby
0: read the great Gatsby <laughs> Gilded age Gilded age Thimble <laughs> However the location of Wallach's flagship's radio store Was going through the natural life cycle Of anything in Los Angeles And was about to be raised To make way for a parking lot So we needed a new location okay. And there, there was like six cars God, and This like, has
1: been a problem for so yeah. long
0: We've got ten cars We need to park Everything needs to be a parking lot <laughs> Cars are a thing Because people can put in radios in them <laughs> They need to park their radios somewhere <laughs> Their mobile radio A Model T was barely a car. It was probably more, yeah, it probably was more radio than than car. car. Yeah, for sure. He's more radio than car now. I got to see Star Wars. (laughs) So luckily there was a large space available at the corner of Sunset and Vine. But to afford it, he would have to sell all his other locations. But he figured, hey, you only open up a record store multiple times in your life. So he did. And in July 1940, Glenn Wallach's Music City was opened.
1: Okay, at Sunset and Vine. Sunset and Vine. Picture it, almost. (laughs) That guy who kept saying dagger. It's funny when like you say Sunset and Vine i could think wallach's but i could also think that's where the yankee bandit was caught at that bank on the corner and i'm like oh history is weird
0: yeah <laughs> history is uh repetitive <laughs> like a skipping record it was a giant radio store record store and amateur recording studio combo so it was basically a third records, third electronics, third musical instruments. Cool. So this way, it was a musician's and music lover's paradise. It sounded
1: like a superstore before they understood what a superstore could be. Yeah, like, or on it, NBC. It, on NBC, yeah.
0: Okay. It was like everything you need. Like you could buy concert tickets. Like if you wanted music, like yeah. you went to Wallach's. Okay. That's where you needed to anything go. Anything music related. Anything music related. It was the place to go in town for anything music related. It's where you go when you want anything music related.
1: You need a mariachi band play for your birthday party? Get the, the hell box. out. <laughs> we don't
0: know what that is. Get out. Go to Ciudad de Musico. Aside from being an important place to that community the music community in town they also did something that revolutionized record stores around the world so the way record stores used to work was that you'd walk in and all the records would be behind a counter that you could look at from your lowly position right on the other side of the counter and then you could buy one from a clerk and he'd give you the record you'd be like I like want- a prescription yeah like could i get counter um records could i get four Pink benny goodman's <laughs> We've we've exhausted our musicians from the 20s (laughs) that we might be aware of. Do you have any Robert Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Mm, Wrong decade. Yeah,
1: Uh, you caught me. I'm a time traveler. (laughs) I'm Bill from Bill and Ted. A (laughs) Dino. I know we're both wrong. I have no idea what they say. So that's how it would work.
0: Wallachs decided that in his store, he was going to have the records displayed out in the store for the customers to come and touch and flip through and look at the artwork right. and the album tracks. But doing this would open himself to people sliding the records out of the sleeves and down yeah. their pants and walking out of the store.
1: Yeah, because they, everyone had balloon pants. Yeah, it, it was the 20s, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs>
0: it's been 100 years. We've lost touch with history, but I'm pretty sure they're all wearing parachute pants in the 20s. Yeah,
1: if it, no parachute pants or Togo's, one of the two. I don't really know history. Togo's? That Oh, Oh my God. They were
0: wearing sandwiches. I mean, they would all eat a Togo's, obviously. <laughs> obviously. In their parachute pants. So to anticipate this thievery, he came up with his second incredible innovation. He was going to wrap all his records in cellophane. Okay. So like wrapped records.
1: He invented wrap records.
0: This was the first store to ever do that, to have plastic wrap <sighs> yeah. around a record mm-hmm. and to have it out for the public
1: to see. So you can sift through yeah. a bunch well, of Yeah, well,
0: but here's the thing. The innovating didn't end there because now instead of just having like, here's a stack of records yeah. on the table. He needed a way to display them in an appealing way, so he put those tabletop display boxes that you can see that are in every record store now. Yeah, the ones that you could just, like, you could flip through them yeah. like cards and see, like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. he created wow. all that. He invented the modern record store, which is crazy. Yeah. So that's three huge things already that made this store not only a serious store that probably had any album you were looking for, but also one with a unique shopping experience yeah. where you felt involved, which created a communal atmosphere that people wanted to hang out and spend time in, rather than just point to a record and leave so this was a it was a hot spot like this is where music people
1: came like a hangout spot
0: exactly on top of all that they also had those recording booths so you had not just music fans but actual musicians were coming in and out of here as well so among the countless nobodies there was stan kenton's orchestra made their first recording (laughs) in wallach's music city but just having this record store wasn't enough for wallach's this is what you were getting to he wanted to go even higher up the food chain because what was happening was the record industry at the time was dominated by east coast record labels Mm -hmm. so what that meant was that for a place like wall was that the record companies all being on the East Coast meant that they were giving most of their inventory to the local record stores on the East Coast because it was yeah. cheaper and easier. And as a result, the poor old West Coast Wallachs Music City was not often not getting new albums from companies like RCA and Decca yeah. and Columbia because they didn't trickle that far West. It just wasn't worth it to them. So Wallachs got in his head, I'm going to make my own record company on the West Coast. So luckily he had a friend who was in a similar situation to his. That friend was Johnny Mercer. Oh, wow. The guy who wrote Moon River and yeah. saying hooray for Hollywood. So Wallachs knew Mercer because Mercer's wife hired Wallachs a while back to put a car radio in his car. So <laughs> he's uh, he, gotten two jobs from the car I know, he probably radios. put his business card
1: in. <laughs> <laughs> What's it this? seems to be a problem. I better take it out. A business card where a screw should be. It's,
0: it's only on one station that's just saying hire me. <laughs>
1: uh, audio resume. So
0: she put it in for his birthday. The two got to talk and they became friends. At the same time, Wallachs was having trouble with the record companies. Mercer was also annoyed because he was sick of his songs not being recorded properly by the record companies. Mm -hmm. Wallach shared with Mercer his vision for starting a big record label on the West Coast, and Mercer was fully on board, and the two brought in songwriter Buddy Da Silva, and on June 4th, 1942, they officially opened their new record label. Capitol Records. That's right. The word Capitol reflecting their Hollywood location as the entertainment capital right. of the world. So Wallace himself even came up those four stars on their logo. That was Wallach. Okay. It was, you know, 1942, military time in America, so the four stars signified a four-star general sort of authority. Like, yeah. this is the this top is the record company. What did I just say? Militaristic time in America's? <laughs> what am I hiking what? about? <laughs> world War i too yeah. <laughs> was happening. Bad time in history to start a record company because you needed to shellac to make yeah. bullets and shellac also was needed to make records and all the shellac in the world was being used to kill people yeah. so Wallachs came up with this genius plan however that uh, may also have been a minor act of treason since there was no new shellac he bought 500 pounds of old records and ground them up and turned them into new shellac to not help with the war effort yeah. but to make those funky licorice pizzas <laughs> that we all love it worked and within two years capital was a multi-million dollar company and all this was happening in the original capital records office which were upstairs above Wallach's Music City. The Capitol Records building... Not there. Not there. It was built until 1956. For 14 years, they were on the second story of Wallach's Music City. Wallach's hated the design for Capitol Records building, by the way. He called it a cheap gimmick, but he was adamant about the quality of the recording studios in there, which are world-renowned studios because of Wallach's pushing like, it has to be a good thing. Wallach's eventually became president of Capitol and even though he wasn't as high profile as Johnny Mercer or Buddy De Silva, he was considered the founder of Capitol Records because he was running the business end, and he made this all happen. And De Silva, he left Capital in 1947, Mercer cashed out in 1950, but Wallach's was involved in one way or another in Capitol Records for the rest of his life. Meanwhile, he was too busy with the record company to focus on the record store. So in 1949, Controlling Interest was bought by a different Wallach's, clyde wallach's seven year younger brother
1: okay that is so funny what's the wallach's first name is glenn the goober
0: of of, uh, (laughs)
1: like you could tell by their first names like oh i don't trust clyde glenn everett Uh uh-huh good guy
0: (laughs) no you can trust my brother Clyde.
1: Like Bonnie and Clyde? Clyde. No, Clyde. Clyde. I don't know who they are. <laughs> I'm Clyde.
0: <laughs> By the way, it's time for Bonnie and Clyde to make a comeback. It's the 20s again.
1: Are there even banks to rob anymore? Do millennials kill that too? Are they yeah, going to rob my Bitcoin <laughs> My Bitcoin
0: mine? So Clyde took what his brother created and all that innovation, that goodwill, and the scene that he had nurtured and didn't do the typical thing a younger brother would did and punch his older sibling in the nose with it and ruin it. Yeah. Instead, he made things even better. Clyde was a good brother. Whoa. Clyde, Country Boy does good. (laughs) So, Clyde. uh,
1: Oh, boy. ooh,
0: Where's that brown noise machine? Um, (laughs) He kept the spirit of the store going and even added yet another revolutionary innovation in the record store world, private listening booths. This was what Clyde added to Wallach Music City, which was the first place to have private listening booths. So now you could take a demo record and go into one of their 21 soundproof booths and listen to the album before you bought it.
1: And weren't they on the sidewalk? not on sidewalk but people on the sidewalk could see you because the listening booths were on the other maybe side of the i don't wall. know i think i remember hearing that
0: i think you're probably right. i might have made
1: that up i might have saw that in empire records and which is what i covered today
0: of, i think you're thinking of uh
1: the radio stations
0: why can't i think of the name of that movie do the right thing i've almost called it once upon a time during the summer
1: <laughs> just as good of a title really. that's not a bad title i'll
0: yeah. add it to the once upon a time oeuvre <laughs> like i said this was the first store in the world to offer that and that only made their reputation as a hangout spot even stronger yeah. and an Another thing he contributed was that he would print out a weekly hit chart that they would post to show people what the most popular albums they were selling were and to offer suggestions to them in the store. They billed this as the West's only authentic popular record and album hit list.
1: Don't tell me they also invented the charts. No, they didn't. (laughs) They didn't
0: invent the charts. They invented in-store charts. Okay. It was just that, uh, a marketing gimmick. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, they didn't invent static. This was just something that was like, it's a fun thing. Like you could go in and be like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. I'm going to go sit in this booth for four hours and listen Did, to it I'm gonna download he... this onto my uh, <laughs> car
1: radio I'm gonna download this into my oven <laughs> <laughs> the original iPod does that mean that he took away the cellophane from the record wrapping if you were gonna listen to it I think what would happen
0: was you could be like I think they had demo records but oh. if they didn't have one you could be like hey can I listen to this and they'll unwrap it and that will become the demo and then just buy a fresh one okay. or maybe they'll make you buy that one out of the, out of the you oven. listen to it you buy it
1: it yeah, <laughs> was the little known policy if you remember the tune then you have to buy it
0: I saw you in there bobbing your head <laughs> I think you owe us money <laughs> We counted per Bob. So this was just a fun place to be. And since the offices of Capitol Records were right upstairs, there were mega star musicians going in and out of here all the time and browsing the store I after their Nat meetings. Nat King
1: Cole. Where's the bathroom? It's funny that you bring
0: that up. But on any given day, you would see Nat King Cole. Oh you would see Bing Crosby, Perry Como, Dean Martin, Fred Astaire, Judy Garland, Elvis would be going in and <sighs> yeah, out of this. I heard he left the building once.
1: <laughs> we had to close after that.
0: Elvis has left the building. We can finally close. Um, <laughs> he would not go. Well, he- he certainly did in his last day on earth boy did he go Oh,
1: I wonder how many songs were written about being in Wallachs that are veiled it's okay. coming up
0: a lot of them would sign their albums that were on display oh, Like, cool yeah, while uh, waiting for the bathroom yeah. <laughs> can you sign the toilet seat like uh sick ass food did <laughs> ya mama did it's like uh I wish this were my face <laughs> Clyde even got several of them to do radio jingles for the store whoa At, like Nat King Cole was doing radio jingles for the record store but he also plastered the city with newspaper ads come to wallets music city radio shows will be broadcast from here a band named the pleasures made a song about the store called music city and i listened to it and it has a similar beat to what a much yeah they all did um (laughs) a similar like melody to a much more famous song and i was like oh my god and then i realized wait no they're not saying any of the same lyrics Um, this
1: isn't come together from the beatles
0: (laughs) oh it's just norwegian wood yeah norwegian wood is actually about this store norwegian wood is a metaphor for elvis elvis's shopping habits in their prime they were not only the biggest record store in LA, they were the biggest record store on the West Coast and the biggest specialty record store in the world. Wallach's Music City. You're going to love this. In the 50s, they began expanding with locations in Lakewood, downtown LA. In 1963, they had a big expansion with new locations in West Covina, Buena Park, Woodland Hills, and Torrance. The Torrance one was on the northeast corner of Hawthorne and Artesia with a groundbreaking presided over by Robert Goulet. And they're worth mentioning just for their opening ceremony. It took place on November 16th, which is a great day for anniversaries 1963 in the parking lot of what is now the south bay galleria so they had this giant concert it was emceed by bob crane oh my god and and listened from hogan's heroes oh no the the pervert so listen to the lineup they had jan and dean rose marie oh really dick dale the ventures the righteous brothers the surfaris and the beach boys were all playing the same concert for the opening of this record store it's insane
1: that's one of the best lineups i've heard i
0: would if that was woodstock i'd be interested (laughs) this is awesome our Surf version time. of fun, fun, fun. <laughs>
1: we surfed the torrents. That's so funny. We just saw them. No, no, this is Jan and Dean. You saw the Beach <laughs> Boys. Oh, oh, I just saw Dick Dale. No, no, actually, you're thinking of
0: which one, one of Chief you Vincent. sings the one about the little old lady from Pasadena? <laughs> all of they both, of us, uh, yeah. they are both right there. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jan and Dean. Eventually, they opened up a couple locations in Arizona. There were eleven locations total that they had. Wallach's Back, Music. Wallach's Music City. Back at the Sunset and Vine location, the mid '60s took them to a whole new level because the Hollywood Palladium was right there. Oh, so yeah. now all the Hip new bands that were coming to town were now drawing even more people to the area because they were playing at the Hollywood Palladium, and Wallick's would stay open until 2 a.m. to accommodate this scene. So, and everybody would shop there now instead of Elvis and Fred Astaire. Like
1: awful, dirty hippie band. It was
0: the Mamas and the Papas, Rock Hudson, uh, my favorite band. Yeah, uh, the Rolling Stones, Red okay. Skelton would be there. My favorite musician again. <laughs> Herb Alpert and Phil Spector would go in there to see how well their albums wow. were selling. It's
1: pretty crazy. Yeah, Do you assume that Phil Spector is around, and then you. See his name he's like, we, uh, oh you know he was on Sunset and and I go Ugh. he was only like three-fourths crazy he only pulled a gun on how his, many uh, of the Ronettes his listening
0: booth was also bulletproof <laughs> Frank Zappa worked there in 1965 That's pretty cool it's weird unfortunately as we'll know well by the end of this episode no record store can ever possibly last as Madman taught us what was sharp and cool in the 60s was just dated and lecherous by the 70s and they invented Coca-Cola <laughs> and in uh, the end
1: they invented
0: Coca-Cola <laughs> <laughs> all the workers at Wallach since the store's creation wore jackets and ties even into the 70s and compare that to how kids were dressing a little further west down Sunset Boulevard. My dress is
1: made of granola. Yeah. yeah.
0: I know that we love this country and all nature, but this is made out of the last Buffalo. <laughs> Wallocks wasn't, it wasn't really a rock and roll kind of place and it just started feeling old and lame yeah. and around this time. So teenagers weren't hanging out there anymore. Like yeah. it wasn't cool to be at Wallach's. Like that that's where my dad goes. Like I'm not yeah. interested. I don't
1: want to hear Herb Alpert. <laughs> and Although, Herb Alpert heard you say that.
0: Because no. <laughs> he speaks Said he is a trombone. <laughs> Don't say that in front of Phil Spector. (laughs) On top of that, the store had a ton of stereo consoles in their inventory. But by the 70s, people were buying new component audio systems, Mm. which were smaller. So think a record player and a speaker versus a giant wooden credenza that's like made out of a full redwood tree that you would listen to music out of. It was too big and expensive. So people weren't buying their audio equipment. So now they had a ton of expensive merchandise that wasn't moving. We know a lot about that. But certainly people still wanted records, but not from lame ass Don Draper's (laughs) and especially not when they could get their records for three dollars cheaper at the discount mega stores that were now in existence so this lack of revenue led to the listening booths being too expensive to maintain so they stopped those and now the little charm that the store had left was gone it's just an expensive record store now that sold records you didn't really for my dad for my dad your dad dad. hey Hey, not my dad I I didn't vote for him in 1976 they had a last-ditch gambit to get hip by lowering prices and no more jackets
1: and ties Thomas I'm gonna need you to wear some Manson clothes. I'm going to need you to join the Manson family. (laughs) Grow that beard, son. Don't wash your hair. Do you have your draft card? Rip it up. (laughs) This didn't work.
0: It was not cool. They were $1.6 million in debt, and they declared bankruptcy in March 1977, and by January 1978, they were closed. That building was used as a set of the Merv Griffin show for a little (laughs) bit after they closed, but they were eventually raised. It's now Walgreens. As for the Wallacks, I'm in a charming Walgreens. As for the Wallacks themselves, Glenn died December 23, 1971. He's buried at Forest Lawn, Hollywood Hills. died, died December 31st, 1997, Forest Lawn Glendale. But the spirit of music Glendale. didn't die in that part of town, as we'll soon get to. Spoiler alert, it's about to die all over again.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. So many things you brought up were like, ooh, that is happening right now, mm-hmm. isn't
0: it? The same things keep happening to a different soundtrack.
1: <laughs> well, we're going to well, pick up in a... Wait, 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 my name's Clad, and we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about the way that ends leads perfectly into mine, but we're going to talk about my Boyhood record store. Okay. Boyhood 20, Records. Boyhood <laughs> <laughs> Records. 2395 Glendale Boulevard, Rockaway Records. Have you been there before? Before? No. I've never dragged you there before. Is it still there? It's still there. Okay, no. Spoiler alert, it's still there. Rockaway Records was a product of two brothers, Gary and uh, Wayne. Clyde and Glenn <laughs> Rockaway. <laughs> Gary and Wayne Johnson, who began selling records in the late 70s after being regulars at the legendary Capitol Records parking lot record swap meets oh okay. which we talked about in yeah, the we did. obvious landmarks episode when we covered capital it was where skinny thugs and junkies and weirdos would meet and they would later form punk bands like the skinny thugs the junkies and the weirdos <laughs> only one of those bands is a real punk band wayne and gary had collected records as a hobby for some time going to any garage sale or yard sale or swap meet and leaving what they didn't shop at Wallacks? they're part of the problem <laughs> punks out there shaking hands with weird people who out have their trunks open
0: pretending nails or earrings
1: yeah they go to any place that was on records and they would leave with a crate of Anything. Records or anything music related. Wayne was electronic technician hmm, at this point, And he was noticing that his brother and his little hobby, hobby in quotes, of collecting records was becoming like a full second job. They then decided to switch it up and start selling their wares at the Capitol Records swap meet. And from that point on, they knew what they wanted to do. The student has become the master of exactly. Star Wars. I got to see it. But I got to go right now. I, I, what do you think's happening right now? What do you think Ray's doing? <laughs> you think bb has is being cute right now? You I don't think, don't think Baby Yoda's Baby Yoda. in this one. <laughs> see, He's still alive. I would uh, die for Baby Yoda. Anyway. Anyways, so they wanted to open up a shop of their own. The brothers knew they were destined for this job because they had a knack for finding not only hard to find for, for finding the knack. Yeah. <laughs> they had a knack for finding not only hard to find <laughs> records but gems. They refer to as gems and the holograms. <laughs> they were good at finding Beatles uh, uh, <laughs> under their car. They were certainly no Rolling Stone. <laughs> okay, they were good at finding hard to find albums. There's probably a better way to say that. I don't know how to say it. They also we could, could find find... cancel
0: and double negative. They were good at albums.
1: <laughs> they were really lucky when it came to what they call records no one would play, which. Mm. were like rare collectibles like in their collection they had a rare mint Beatles 45 that cost wow. eight oh thousand dollars at a swap meet
0: that's they, the dream the ultimate dream is on the b side it's a recording of the signing of the declaration of independence <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream
1: and they, they like one of the words is misspelled on there independence yeah. is spelled wrong so then it's like a double it's like yeah. more collectible.
0: and then they say oh sorry for screwing this one up we'll tape this baseball card of that one guy from <laughs> pittsburgh on this and we'll mail it to you with that upside down plane stamp i hope that's not a problem. Sincerely, Joan of Arc.
1: <laughs> okay, so they, they would buy these things with no intention of listening to it, like the Beatles record. They just wanted to collect it. Their lives became buying, selling, and hoarding w- year, records. When, when was this? Late 70s, early okay. 80s. Their lives became buying and selling and hoarding records to the point where the house in Brea they lived in was more of like a record storage facility <laughs> with beds. Their records took up the whole house, records in the bedroom, records in the kitchens, records in the closet, records but to- well, one day they'll be brave enough and trusting enough to come out. From <laughs> I'm sorry I stepped on that
0: <laughs> where I had to say has records in the records for supper time (laughs) hmm
1: i'm glad that you got that one. i got did. messed up <laughs> i'm messed I'm up. I'm all right? messed up all that brown noise in my brain from here they began a mail order business pre-internet mail order business i did it baffles me from here they began a mail order business from their own and hire their very first employee so things were becoming real and the operation was moving along but then they realized they needed a retail space that they also didn't live in what's the problem i don't understand chinese restaurant suit all the time what's upstairs oh i see a bed up there oh you woke somebody up to serve me water talk about food chow because man that guy did not want to serve me water that
0: time <laughs> oh come on food upstairs and Fu Chow is where the <laughs> so, Chinese gangs hang out. That Obviously, but, and Jackie Chan took them down. Go upstairs and it's a beautiful banquet hall.
1: It's a penthouse plaza. It's yeah. a presidential suite up yeah. there.
0: And you look out the window and you see the Manhattan skyline. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Fu Chow.
1: I hate that place in 1982 the two brothers then purchased what was described as a hole in the wall record store owned by marty levy called rainbow records which was on glendale boulevard closer to fletcher between savon and kfc which means it was probably next to my childhood barbershop tony's which is uh, <laughs> somebody tried to bribe him with a dollar to leave line for a second to go get some more cash and he burned the dollar what yeah because you don't bribe tony <laughs> Uh, this was my Boyhood Plaza, the one that's on Fletcher and Glendale Boulevard. That's now completely gentrified and has a Whole Foods there. Mm. My barbershop was there, 2020 video, Baskin Robbins, round nope. table. Nobody 7- gentrifies 81.
0: Tony. Tony. He no. burned his business down.
1: <laughs> He's probably dead now. He's super old. He was super old when I was a kid.
0: Nobody kills Tony. He burns himself.
1: <laughs> so the way it was described in LA Times, Rainbow Records, the way it was described in LA Times, make it sound like a real hippy, dippy, dirtbag mm-hmm. shop. In their words, Marty hung out in tie-dye shirts, grooved on loud music, made friends with customers young and old and altogether presented an endearing model for an unrepentant flower child with a receding hairline who could work the system. And another thing, he's bawling. Shut this place
0: down. Not like us from the greatest generation. Hair
1: for miles. All the recordings are just presidential speeches.
0: Come down to Wallach's, where you can listen to Nixon's resignation.
1: God bless you, sir. The brothers bought Rainbow from Levy, and from that original spot opened Rockaway Records, but kept Levy around as a manager and the jazz expert of the new (laughs) store. Gary came up with a name for rockaway records and much to my pleasure it was named after my favorite ramones one of my favorite ramones song rockaway beach which is funny because okay creep bop. it was named i don't want to go in the basement anyways i want to be your boyfriend talking
0: um, about songs that are all the same You put down the Safaris one more time.
1: (laughs) I didn't put down the Safaris. I put down everybody but the Safaris, although they are the Ventures. You put down all the
0: rest of them. You put down all of them because they're the same band.
1: The Safaris are Clark Kent. The Ventures are Superman. They're the same people just at night. No, he's holding his guitar on the left hand.
0: It can't be the same person. His guitar has glasses
1: on. I like that Dick Dale sounds the same as an entire band of guitar players. What's funny about them calling it Rockaway Beach and naming it after Ramon's song is that from reading articles about Rockaway Records, there's a real obvious preference for the Beach Boys uh-huh. at Rockway Records, and I've always said that Rockway Beach was a great Beach Boys song, except it was written and performed by the yeah, Ramones. Yeah, they pretty
0: much are the yeah, quote-unquote punk They're East the East Coast Ramones. Yeah. No, east coast beach boys
1: west coast ramones are the beach boys rockaway
0: beach not far from where the great gatsby took place by the way welcome to the 20s <laughs> we made it guys. we find we're all moving to Ham- the Hamptons. <laughs>
1: meet me in montauk you're now quoting eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. yeah
0: well it took its uh, metaphor
1: <laughs> wayne's office is apparently lined with beach boys memorabilia and when they asked in the silver lake blog which a musician he grew up idolizing it was of course brian wilson who went crazy who's <laughs> still a little bit crazy <laughs> who
0: lost his mind with adoration
1: <laughs> thank you so much for admiring me i'm gonna go into the sandbox in my home that has a piano and I'm going to not eat for five days. And I'm going to ignore Mama everything. Cass. Yeah. I'm going to obsessively tap this wall to see the sound it makes for four days. The first year of the original location was Meet great. Me <laughs> Meet me in Montauk. Meet me in Montauk. Meet me in Montauk. Meet me in Montauk six days of that the first year of the original location was great so great in fact that they were beginning to outgrow that space they then moved to a former laundromat a few spaces down in the shopping plaza but not long after that they lost a lease on that space so Rockway was looking for a new home and the Johnson brothers wanted to and could purchase a space which is not how you know it's not a story written in 2019 it's because someone bought a property people could afford to buy yeah, anything record. you mean it wasn't a Russian oligarch it wasn't a Chinese
0: syndicate Wait, it was only like a two brothers <laughs>
1: it was Johnson and Johnson right so there were spots open that they could buy. One of them was on Malrose and the other one was on Ventura, but they were like, those are too expensive and the brothers didn't want to commute. After some time, the Johnsons landed a spot of a former Latino nightclub called the Caché, which had closed down, which had been a sore subject of the Silver Lake neighbors who hated late night noise and commotion that the Caché brought to the neighborhood. You could relate to that. You are the neighbors. <laughs> you know what they
0: should have gotten is a giant brown noise <laughs> machine.
1: God forbid people who like that club enjoy themselves.
0: Well, God forbid I go to bed for one <laughs> night. You're a sympathizer.
1: <laughs> I want to go to bed.
0: <laughs> this is the tour. 20- he's all over again.
1: <laughs> so I think they bought cachet and a store or restaurant that was right next door and were able to create a large, with the two spaces, a large, a new permanent home for Rockway in 1992, 10 years after opening the original location. So now they are at their new spot where they are now.
0: Did they close the original one?
1: Yeah, the original okay. one closed down now. It's probably a like a hipster bakery. <laughs> Rockway Records is a great little record shop that growing up had plenty of vinyl and new and used cassettes and later had compact discs new and used along with used books which I always found something great at Rockway. But it seems their main emphasis has always been collect a piece of memorabilia that keeps being brought up in articles is a signed copy from 1964 of the original first album from the Beatles, Please Please Me, which sits in a glass case. That jam there.
0: Yeah, how much is that worth? And how well guarded is it?
1: And what kind of security system do they have? That record goes for $28,500.
0: That's it? I feel like it would be more. It's signed by all the Beatles? No. Oh, didn't you say it was signed? Signed by Pete Best.
1: This was when George Harrison was probably still alive. Every time a Beatle dies, everything goes up in value. Uh, Every
0: time a Beatle dies, an angel gets its wings. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Paul McCartney got his wings after... After the Beatles died.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Rockway also has an original copy of the Beatles yesterday and today from 1965, and it's signed by three members of the Beatles that weren't shot, although one of them was stabbed. Wayne said that... If it had the fourth signature, you can add a zero to that price tag, which ran at $12,000, which again, it's pretty... I don't say it's affordable. I'll, I'll never have $12,000 in my life. So there's a stereo wait, wait copy. Wait some more
0: shirts are available. I
1: don't even get a shirt. You can't
0: afford it. <laughs> the next batch is going to cost 30000 each.
1: Signed by both the Meekly Boys. The one that didn't get shot. <laughs> the one that'll still be alive in February. There's a stereo copy of Free William Bob Dylan, which has... Four songs not released on later copies there's only three of these in the world and one sold for forty thousand dollars mm. rockway has one of those one christmas my mom got me a very nice poster of the sex pistols from rockway which i would have paid money to just see her and go in and ask for it uh, altogether <laughs> i'm here for sex <laughs> pistols altogether the johnson brothers spent six hundred thousand dollars on a collection of a hundred thousand albums from a collector in hollywood which wayne said was their biggest purchase after word traveled around about this deal other collectors wanting to unload their collectibles came to rockway people who deal with rockway knew the johnsons to pay fairly and they knew whatever they sold to them would be safe. It wouldn't be just like thrown in the trash. Cheap UCDs and collectibles is what helped keep Rockway afloat when so many other music stores, big and small, begin to get swallowed up by your Napsters, your LimeWires, your Soul Seeks. I keep forgetting
0: the name of the program I used and I think you used too. It was like a, n- a knockoff of Napster because I didn't use Napster. Didn't. I didn't use anything. I mean, the FBI is still listening to my hair gel. What was the one that was... can't remember. I, if yeah. you remember, write to us. Yeah. At, write the
1: songs you downloaded. And give us your <laughs> IPN and the dates and times that it happened and write to us directly at confession.fbi.com <laughs> So of course, early 2000s, everything starts to change because we mm-hmm. could just download whatever album album slash virus that we wanted to So music <laughs> stores started to really change at that point. They stopped selling new CDs some years ago when the big stores started to downgrade their CD sections. Little shops couldn't compare, so they doubled down on used CDs, which seemed to like no one thought was a good business model, but Amoeba and Rockway survived because of this. Mm. Which, yeah, Amoeba scared the hell out of Rockway when they opened because Rhino and Aaron's couldn't compete. But Rockway, Manage. and like amoeba when the dust settled from the music stores closing rockway benefited they like at some point bought a whole collection from a store in iowa that had to shut down they what? they bought like seventy five thousand cds from this little shop they like have such a good name in collecting fields but still streaming music has done another number on the remaining record stores and according to the nielsen sound scan which tracks music sales little independent shops like amoeba and rockway only account for like seven percent of all album sales which is yeah. half of what it was That's, in 2001 seems high now spotify itunes and amazon took another blow a huge blow from small shops as well as giant stores like target and Walmart from their meager CD section which I imagine only sells like Katy Perry and Paul yeah, McCartney. Who, buy,
0: who who buys buy, a CD yeah, from Target? A desperate grandma on Christmas Eve.
1: My grandson likes Christmas music. <laughs> I'll get him buried, man. A little Christmas, <laughs> yeah. Stupid grandma. Stop buying me stuff from Walmart, grandma. You can buy me whatever you want anytime. i accept it. Uh, independent record shops, like we said, amoeba, not only offer hard-to-find music that not even Spotify or iTunes has, but there's a communal experience. Mm-hmm. There's something about being at a rock way.
0: It's almost the same way of like how libraries are kind of going. Yeah. Where like hey, yeah, books and stuff, but like we're leaning towards community. Community, st- like a, yeah, a community a, centers. Well, we'll get into it, but like yeah. amoeba is like you can go see this band. Well, not anymore. Pretty soon, not anymore, but you got to be a scene. Yep yeah it, it exactly and Rockway scene.
1: is a scene for collectors like it yeah. became a place where like hardcore music fans went not just like people who want to be seen not just your grandma trying not to find man Barry Manil Manilow though, or trying to find like a Rolling Stones album and all I have is like a Rolling Stones cover from uh, a tribute album yeah Sam Smith tribute dated. album
0: yeah. <laughs> Sam Smith parody band <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's what
1: they're selling at Target a box set of Katy Perry according to Alley Times article 10 years ago about Rockway altogether they had at that time 75,000 CDs 20,000 LPs 20,000 45s and 10,000 DVDs all with thousands of vintage magazines books posters and other pieces of memorabilia they've also managed to stay in business by becoming landlords and renting some of the spaces on that spot where they had how do they
0: feel about loud music late at night They're not going to help you. These landlords aren't going to do anything. They're not going to do
1: anything for you. If anything, they're going to be in cahoots. Shadow people. That whole (laughs) plaza there is now called Rockway Plaza. They rented portions of what used to be the Rockway to like a yoga studio and a computer repair shop. I think there's also like a a wine spot right behind them. Rockway Records now only occupies 35% of its original building, but they're still holding strong. I haven't been there in some time, but yeah, Rockway was for sure part of the problem. Uh... I don't listen to music anymore. Okay. <laughs> I can't afford it. I can't afford it, okay? I just hum uh-huh. to. that I remember. I read music from the library, a m- which is also leaving. If there's a movie I'm watching and it has music, that's the only music I'm listening to. It's
0: like people who could only get their news from the newsreels before no. <laughs> seeing a movie. I gotta find out how World War One ended. <laughs> I gotta
1: buy a ticket to the Shadow of the Thin Man so I could figure out what's happening in the trench, even right. though that's 20 years ago. Mm. I don't understand history. I gotta see who shot Tupac. <laughs> I gotta go I got- see
0: the cabinet of Dr. Caligari.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been there in like some years, but Rockaway was for Sure, the first record shop that I loved. My mom would take me to Kill Time and pick up CDs or tapes. My uncle and brother, we would treat ourselves and just during summer vacation would just stop at Rockway. It was where I rummaged and found weird things with weird covers and gave it a try. When I first started getting more independent, I would walk two miles between my house and Rockway, staring at buses trying to figure out how they worked because I didn't know. I have a real love and fondness for Rockway, and I'm glad Amoeba didn't destroy it, although it seems like gentrification might.
0: If the Amoebas don't kill you, the uh, microbreweries will. This next one goes out to all of you who swore by Napster in the early 2000s. <laughs> and whatever the company we were thinking of was called
1: it's probably crapster
0: this is one not from la just like the next one you're gonna do but this particular location was a big part of the city for a while so i'm gonna try to focus mostly on just that store but we need just a brief rundown of the history of tower records get out No. Leave. No, I'm not Tower Records. (laughs) It started with a guy named Russ Solomon who started selling used 78s for 10 cents in his dad's drugstore in Sacramento in 1941. The name of that drugstore was Tower Drugstore because it was next to the Tower Theater in Sacramento. Okay. So by 1961, Solomon opened up his first dedicated record store on Watt Avenue in Sacramento called Tower Records. 1968, the San Francisco location opened and now the Tower Records brand blows up, which takes us to the Sunset Strip, 8801 Sunset Boulevard. But before Tower opened up at this spot, you will find this location to be of great interest to fans of L.A. Meekly. I don't uh, know if I... you knew this.
1: First, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if you... Well, you're big fans of... Do you And listen, then you turn to the other host of the podcast, like, I probably, you probably don't know this do you you're listen? dumb. Do, do you ever listen? Oh, you didn't buy a shirt.
0: The first thing built at this spot was in 1935. There was a restaurant called Simon's Drive-In that's not the interesting part yet but, no but it, what yeah. do you know simon's driving
1: i'm thinking of the big photo book of la and there's a. it's not that no
0: it's not that but it might be you in, don't know no no. i saw it i read your thoughts
1: <laughs> uh, i have no,
0: I the, gotta see that I, movie
1: let's go right now I,
0: I i read was i was reading your thoughts i bet ren was reading was bbh <laughs> thoughts listen, listen listen
1: we turn Suri on surrey reads this yeah. we go see star wars we come back surrey's done i think i think, I think that's
0: a bad idea but in 1945.
1: <laughs> yeah, Star Wars! <laughs> yeah, hit him with that thing, that laser sword thing. Hit him! Emperor, I love you! <laughs> so,
0: 1945, this place became Dolores' Drive-In, which is not a name I like. And then in the 50s, it became Jack's on the Strip Diner until the early 60s when the restaurant train was over and the building was demolished to make way for a showroom for Shoreham Towers Apartments. But then, here's where it gets interesting for you. In 1964, it came under control of a Mr. Earl William Muntz. Or as you may know him, <gasps> Mad, mad Months. This was Madman Months' store. Really, he opened up, at and this that spot. became
1: Tower Records.
0: Kind of. It, okay. it was. We talked about him in our local commercials. It's the so Life funny he said
1: uh, Madman Months because I was like TV, TV. Like, oh no, that was his daughter's name.
0: Well, I mean, there's a reason he named his daughter TV. It he was yeah. here he developed his four-track tapes, allowed people to listen to albums in their car, which in itself is revolutionary. Yeah. Not just radios in your Model T anymore. Now yeah. you can listen to cassettes. You can pick in your...
1: your own music, yeah, which is what we do every day.
0: Thank you, Madman
1: Months. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Saluting him, and
0: he's saluting back backwards and <laughs> his tongue is flapping everywhere he sold hundreds of thousands of these things and he pioneered car stereo systems in addition to already having popularized calling television tv and also being insane so already this location <laughs> had it's overall an, a lunatic so already this location had serious music credentials but not even the madman could hold on to that spot for very long the store was closed in 1970 and then demolished right. so that building's gone but it was the spot it was that spot and that's just in time for tower records big new expansion So a new building was built just for them for Tower Records on this spot in 1971. They opened their doors to the hip young crowd of music lovers desperate for a place to call the VW bus that they live in. This was the first Tower Records in Southern California, and it was in the perfect location at the perfect time to become a huge hit. It was the early 70s, which means that there were a ton of high profile bands either living in or coming to LA Mm -hmm. because so many record labels were now in the city thanks to Capitol Records trailblazing. The store was right down the street from the headquarters of a lot of those companies along the Sunset Strip it was also within walking distance of where these bands would play and hang out like the Whiskey and the Viper Room the Roxy the Rainbow Bar and Grill where they'd hang out not Clumpsy. What's his name? The guy who would always be at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Lemmy? Lemmy.
1: Lemmy. (laughs) Lemmy. Lemmy. (laughs) Clumpsy.
0: So right there, you've got a built-in community. You don't know
1: metal. Yeah.
0: I know Clumpsy, though. (laughs) So there's a built-in community, and the tower brand was known and trusted already. So right off the bat. Plus, they were open until midnight every night and 1 a.m. on
1: the weekend. So you're talking about Wallach's up to a certain point where, like, kids didn't find this cool quite, quite, quite for, like, a day. But they found this cool, and this is what immediately happened up the street. Exactly. It it was, like, two miles away. Yeah, yeah dads were shopping
0: there. Drop your kids off there. Exactly. The advantage Tower had over a place like Wallops, which was still open but dying very painfully yeah. when they just opened, yeah. was since that they were a big chain, they had low prices and deep back catalogs that were in stock. Okay, Wallachs didn't have that. They had a, all the new stuff, but they also had old hard-to-find stuff yeah. on hand. Like, oh, do you have uh, the first album ever by The um, Birds? Yeah, Which The is Birds. Like
1: a year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That really obscure brand, The Birds. <laughs> in
0: 1974, Guinness Book of World Records named them the biggest record store in the world. Wow. As we've seen so many times before in LA history, what was so great over on this part of the street was literally killing the old guard A few blocks away, it was draining the life force, much like Starkiller Base. We gotta go. (laughs) Their staff was also extremely knowledgeable and passionate about music, and of course, they were snobbish. Their slogan was "No music, no life," uh, which few of them had. There was also (laughs) no dress code for the staff, which made it feel like it was being run by the underground scene, even though it was the definition of a corporate entity at this point. But it felt like this is this is is a cool place. It felt like a rockaway records, but. was not like this was engineered to be like
1: that. For sure. Being on
0: Sunset Boulevard, of course, that meant that there were always big advertisements for new albums plastered all over the building above and some o-
1: of my favorite photos from LA '70s Sunset Strip are like the billboards above. Yeah, it's
0: it's all the iconic images. Like, yeah, the, that's how you know what year it was. Yeah. It was all you know their iconic red and yellow paint job. It was just a cool place to be, and all the cool people went there. And since it was where it was, it was also where every celebrity and musician in town went to shop or to perform on any given day. You would run into a local DJ or Ringo Starr or Robert Plant or Stevie Wonder or Ella Fitzgerald or George Burns because he has to be in every episode now.
1: <laughs> He's uh, uh, the male counterpart to Mary Pickford.
0: Yeah. Oh, the children they could have had. Those small bug-eyed children. But what would Gracie think? Everybody had album signings there. Bob Marley. This picture's of Bob Marley signing. Cool. It's weird. John Lennon did a TV ad for them for that location in 1974. Axel Rose worked a tower video across the street. The store would open early exclusively for Elton John when he was in town to come shop alone. Like I said, the tons of bands played concerts there to promote their new albums. David Lee Roth rappelled down a fake Matterhorn they built on top of it for his new album Matterhorn. Alice Cooper drove up in a big trash truck for his new album Trash. Someone else did something literal for their new album (laughs) Literal. Duran Duran had a reunion concert there in 1997. It was hip, it was new, it captured the scene, the music scene of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I kept thinking of it like being for music what Meltdown was for For comics. and comedy, but it was way more high profile and way more popular. It wasn't the first Tower Records location, but it did quickly become the most well-known Tower Records location. Yeah,
1: it's iconic. It has documentaries about
0: it. Well, as the Colin Hanks documentary from 2015 was called in reference to the sign put up outside in reference to the George Harrison song, All Things Must Pass. Just as Wallachs was destroyed by Tower Records pretty much, a new enemy emerged to destroy the victor, the internet. In 1999, Tower Records had almost 200 locations in Fifteen countries it was taking in a billion dollars a year. That same year, Napster came out. In the year two thousand, Tower Records lost ten million dollars. In two thousand one, they lost ninety million dollars. So dang. the ship was sinking fast. They tried discounting their prices, but even then, it was like twelve dollars an album when you could get it online for free. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Pretty when su- you could
1: download a virus with the same name of a <laughs> hit track for when free.
0: Can, when you can lose your grandma's identity to a <laughs> Russian person for free. It pays for itself. Pretty soon, three of the major music Music companies stopped selling to Tower Records because they weren't paying their bills. It came out that the company was $210 million in debt. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2004 and then again in 2006. And that was when the company had to be sold to the LA-based Great American Group for $134 million who specialized in liquidation. And they put oh, their specialties man. to work right away and began liquidating Tower Records. They had 89 stores left that were still open, including the Sunset Strip location. That location closed that same year with the rest of them in 2006. And in 2007, the building was turned into a giant ad for Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium.
1: Tower Records... (laughs) All things must pass indeed. (laughs) All
0: things pass a Magorium. (laughs) So Tower Records' sunset was gone, and with it took not only a bunch of small independent labels who depended on them to sell their albums, it also took an entire scene and spirit Mm -hmm. in the city with it. In 2007, it became a clothing store called Live on Sunset until 2012 when they closed, and it was being considered to be turned into a gym... The building sat empty for a couple of years under constant threat of demolition, but it was saved in 2014 by Gibson Guitars, who signed a 15 year lease to turn it into a showroom. But then Gibson filed for bankruptcy in 2018. Because people
1: were downloading guitars. Because <laughs> Guitar well, Hero came I could, out.
0: For, I could buy one from Russia. <laughs> Gibson now had to bail on the lease. So since then, it's basically been an empty building, which is insane that a building in a location like that could stay empty for coming up on two years yeah. now. But then I saw that the rent there is $230,000 a month, and I thought, That makes sense. (laughs) Let it sit there. Let it die. It's currently up for lease, but a lot of groups have been trying for years to get it designated as a historic landmark and to try to turn it into a music museum or a sunset strip museum. But here's the problem. There really isn't anything spectacular about this building itself. Like, It isn't a nice building architecturally, and it's not the same building Madman Muntz was in, which Mm. could have been something. So in designating it, they wouldn't be designating the building itself. They'd be designating the stuff that happened inside the building, which also is tricky because there's absolutely no residue of what used to be there inside of the place and the sign isn't even still up. Like theres It's, it's a coffin with no body. It's a real Dracula situation. <laughs> it's a tricky case to consider it for historic designation. It's hard to historically protect a scene that no longer exists. Yeah. It's times like these that makes me glad I lost that election for city council by such a big landslide. <laughs> but if you're really itching for some Tower Records, you can go to the nine-story one that they still have in Tokyo. Are you going? So I'm sleeping there.
1: <laughs> it's a hotel too. I remember going to that. Do you? Did you ever go to that Tower?
0: No, I never never went there. Never. I, I would never, never go though. there. I was a virgin
1: records kind of guy. <laughs> in high school, we would go to marrow sometimes, and I would stop at Headline Records, which is a punk record shop there, and it's really great. I wanted to do a segment on it, but I ran out of time. I would just go in like, uh, do you have any uh, Charles Bronson? And then they'd they'd have to just like, oh, uh, it's a French guy. I'm not going to do a French accent, but yeah. Anyways, we'd also go to Sunset Strip. We would go to In-N-Out, and we would walk all the way to the Roxy, and then take the bus all the way back and stop at like so you
0: figured out the bus finally but
1: we'd go to meltdown we'd go to that plaza where the movie theater is sometimes we see like an independent movie we'd go to tower we'd go to a newsstand and then we'd walk by the whiskey and the Roxy okay the granddaddy of them all the the thing (laughs) that probably helped kill Tower (laughs) Records the new scene the phantom menace yeah the phantom menace (laughs) the new scene the new scene and soon to be old scene I'm gonna be talking about amoeba music which Mm -hmm. is yet another Los Angeles institution that happens to be a transplant uh-huh. i mean music starts in the bay area berkeley to be exact on telegraph avenue have you been to that one yeah i've been to all of them
0: oh well, me too but I, I didn't want to brag siri <laughs> <laughs> buy me a ticket to berkeley <laughs> <laughs> buy me
1: first class ticket to berkeley i don't care how long the flight is oh it's 20 minutes okay amoeba music starts in the bay area berkeley to be exact telegraph avenue i said that already i've been there uh (laughs) i've been there my whole life it was opened in 1990 by three guys and a lady mark weinstein mike Boyder, dave prince and later karen pearson most of the information i found about the owner seemed to concentrate on mark weinstein so a few words on him weinstein hails from buffalo new york and from an early age was already working in record shops starting at a place called record theater as an eight-track buyer which is Mm -hmm. what 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 (laughs) um in 1979 he moved to west to san francisco and at the end of the hit era and the beginning of the west coast punk era he found himself working for what seems like a couple different record shops he worked at streetlight records but in berkeley fell in with a couple friends that's Boyder and Prinz at rasputin records which never closed but it was stabbed shot castrated beheaded, <laughs> and drowned six times in an interview with san francisco chronicle they were asked why they chose the name amoeba and mark weinstein says we wanted to name our company something something music yeah the word amoeba came up because it sounded good with music we wanted it to be like a psychedelic kind of name that students would relate to as it turned out it's a great name for who we are and what we do First of all, Amoeba split into two. We'll get to that. And there's an amorphous nature to music. And it infected other stores. Yeah. I get it. Little did they know (laughs) it would fulfill it. And the name has a great quality of being like a metaphor for music, our growth, and who we are, which is pretty cool. The first Amoeba had plenty of competition with five other record shops already on Telegraph when they opened, but the guys persisted anyways, taking over a 3,500 square foot location that was formerly a Mexican restaurant. They later expanded that square footage to 12,000 square feet. They opened with 6,000 records and apparently made $10,000 in sales on their grand opening, which. Just crazy. Wait a, it's a minute.
0: M- How could they make $10,000 selling 6000 Well, yeah, I guess they're
1: not selling for a dollar each. Probably not. Well, then I'm not shopping there. One record was $9,000.
0: Why would I buy a dollar record from Amoeba <laughs> when I can go to Russia?
1: And download a full vinyl. No questions. <laughs> I just have to leave my screen on all night.
0: My parents can't call their parents because <laughs> I'm downloading
1: the latest Coldplay. <laughs> they can't call the hospital where my grandpa's at. So they had a great selection of hard-to-find things, and they were a used record source. They could find some things cheap, and you could sadly drag a box of old records when you needed gas money so it became like a hangout like a music hangout mm-hmm. people were selling records people were buying records people it was like another music hangout it became so popular that in 1997 Prince Weinstein and Boider and now Karen Pearson opened up a second even bigger location the San Francisco Amoeba lied at the end of historic Haight-Ashbury near Golden Gate Park and took over mm-hmm. the location of an old bowling alley which is Park Bowl this meant the store was vast and wide open taking up 24,000 <laughs> square feet it's that's my favorite one so slippery one. as hell you need special shoes if you want to walk around <laughs> the dvd section the store became ever more popular saw more foot traffic because it's at Haydashberry, mm. and it became like a bigger <laughs> and we do hangout mean spot.
0: feet <laughs> disgusting hippies
1: it was an even bigger hangout spot because of its location because of it was a bigger store they had harder to find things there i've been to that one that was my favorite it's pretty cool but a weird I've thing, been there too yeah, I did heroin there. <laughs> <laughs> I bought weird stuff a Guy got McDonald's. I think I went to both Amoebas in one trip and then when we came back, okay, we went to San Francisco one day. It was miserable. But the second day we did the second Amoeba in Berkeley and then we drove back down to LA and on purpose, 50 minutes before it closed, we went to the Hollywood. So we went to all three Amoebas in one weekend. Hmm. Why? Um, probably about one thing. But a weird thing began to happen at the Bay Area Amoebas. They started getting visited by more and more Southern Californians hmm. who either made Amoeba part of their tourist trip <clears throat> or was the entire reason for their trip up north. <clears throat> and with more and more frequency the founders were being asked
0: this obsessively compulsive weirdos
1: <laughs> and with more and more frequency the founders were being asked would there ever be an amoeba in the southland the answer came in early 2001 when it was announced in full page ads in our local papers america attacked <laughs> <laughs> a day that lives that's it the biggest and the best indie record store coming to la the highest prices paid ever for good collections we have over a million dollars to spend we are only buying now the faster you get us your stuff the faster we will open you should have saved some of that money i've taken the best records there and they're like nah, i'll no. give you a pin I'll give you, yeah exactly
0: <laughs> i'll let you park for free the-, <laughs> the only money i've gotten from them was when i returned something
1: <laughs> <laughs> when i asked for my change yeah. <laughs> the founders purchased uh, half of a block on sunset and coinga next to the Cinerama Dome, which from what I can tell used to be a warehouse, not uh, the spot, not the Cinerama Dome. warehouse records? Yeah, it was (laughs) probably a a warehouse. warehouse. I think it was a warehouse. (laughs) So they would visit and we're scouting a place to open it, and w- they were kind of. It's, it's
0: so weird that like for all of these like Tower Records opened up five years before Wallix closed, yeah. And this place opened up five years before Tower Records yeah. closed. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Angel of Death is coming.
1: <laughs> they were scouting for a location, and they wanted to open up in Santa Monica, and people mm-hmm. were pointing them in the direction of Hollywood. saying don't go, don't open in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Nobody will ever go. People were telling them, no, no, you got to open up in Hollywood because that's one of the three centers of the city. Yeah, You
0: like homeless people? You're from you're from the <laughs> Bay Area. <laughs> you
1: like skeezy jack-in-the-box right <laughs> open up right here every single time i'm like oh is someone always getting arrested here talking to locals they found out that hollywood boulevard was for tourists and drug addicts and sunset boulevard was for locals and drug addicts <laughs> amoeba hollywood would be the biggest of the stores the vast amoeba san francisco being only a fourth of what ours is amoeba wow. hollywood yeah. occupies twenty-eight thousand square feet just for retail items and another fifteen thousand square feet for their storage and offices to open with the founders purchased one hundred fifty thousand new cds 350 1000 used CDs and 200,000 used LPs of a wide variety of genres. To stock up the used items they scoured the country for the best finds. Overall they spent 2 million dollars in the LA area alone on stock and another 500,000 around the rest of the country. They're buying up people's entire private collections of jazz LPs and another 200,000 items from a former DJ in Hawaii. They bought the entire stock of a punk record shop in illinois along with their posters for exploitation movies like they were just buying entire So they
0: are amoebas they're absorbing the, they're everything absorbing. around them
1: amoeba hollywood is two stories there's a giant bottom floor for music and of so many genres using mm-hmm. new lps are down there cassette tapes later they would add books and band merch the walls are covered in posters of movies and bands and just general hip people things Mm -hmm. there's a back area with like (laughs) the guy outside of the walgreens that used to be wallachs who just said dagger (laughs) signals walking by (laughs) loves that poster and they built a stage for live acts and guests for signings as by this time all amoebas would accommodate a space to have an event. Space. The second floor would house movies, DVDs, laser discs, yeah. and VHS. Yeah, that's where I saw Wes Anderson. That's where you saw Wes Anderson.
0: I, I can't remember. I've seen one concert there. Oh, yeah I can't remember. They don't move like all of the shelving. No. So you I, stand I, in Yeah, the, you're like in the middle. In yeah, the you're Sherlock. like
1: listening to a band and you're like, oh, I didn't know they had this. Yeah. CD. Brilliant marketing. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. They, they know what they're doing. Opening day for Amoeba was in November of 2001 and there was a huge line of hundreds of people waiting for hours to get in to snag their original run LP of Jefferson Starship. Um, by the time it opened, people were so eagerly waiting for Amoeba that, yeah, there was hundreds of people on mm-hmm.
0: That's weird, because like that's the time when everyone was downloading their music online. Yeah. Why are they suddenly interested in buying music? And
1: I think at the time, not everything was online.
0: No, but Tower Records was certainly suffering from being online. But right. I guess Tower Records was so expensive compared to Amoeba yeah, ta- where you could, I, oh, I could I, get this used.
1: I went to Tower Records all the time. I can count on my one hand how many times I bought something.
0: I, I mean, you're talking about, like, we talk about Target and that. I remember when the year was when I was interested in buying physical CDs, but it would be like $25 for that. Like, it was crazy prices.
1: Can you imagine someone selling a CD now for $25? I would... (laughs) Take my money. Amoeba will sell... This better
0: be signed by all the Beatles.
1: (laughs) Amoeba will sell something for like $15, but it'll be like i can't find this on the internet
0: that's exactly the the things i've gotten at amoeba are things i can't find on the internet or or movies that like i i don't know where to stream
1: this (laughs) that's the thing that helped me with survive i didn't write this down so i'm just speaking off the top of my head is that they found those pockets of such specific specialty yeah specialty stuff that like i had heard about this on the internet nobody like i had like maybe two songs off this record of dal shannon covering hank williams (laughs) and now it's all here and even spotify like i just don't like spotify i don't like no i don't yeah
0: i don't I don't like it. I, I don't know.
1: like, Pan- I didn't yeah. like Pandora. iTunes has saved me a couple of times, but like, I honestly, like I would rather buy a physical CD than buy an entire album off iTunes because I want the physical object, object still.
0: I'm halfway between the physical f- people and the streaming people. Cause I want everything on my iPod, which yeah. I still listen to my iPod, not iPhone, iPod. IPhone. It's physically on my iPod, <laughs> but <laughs> which it's I carry still This d- <laughs> is a bulge in my pocket that
1: women are sweaty whenever I come near them. <laughs> is that an iPod in your pocket? Yes. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> the wheel spinning. Actually, there's a music playing. I shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll get CDs from the library and burn them immediately and then take them back to the library because I want
0: both. I get books from the library and I burn them immediately.
1: <laughs> and Ray Badbury comes and shakes my hand and then I have to give him a ride home. <laughs> so Amoeba obviously became a popular store and only grew from there, attracting all kinds of music fans from all genres, all types of buyers. Amoeba allowed people to become music fanatics because this store had such a wide variety of hard to find things that no big chain could possibly have. Tower, Sam Goody, Best Buy, Virgin megastores They didn't have these albums yeah. that Amoeba carried and they had some items used that prices big stores could not make. Mm-hmm. Part of the big draw was that while big music sort of concentrated on th- and stocked what was popular of every right. genre, Amoeba stocked everything <laughs> and they promoted everything. Everything popular stuff was advertised right next to up and coming good stuff that you've never heard of, and they promoted the same way. They're given the same value on the shelves yeah. and everything. No emphasis on either. Little bands appreciated more, so it seemed like every little band had a chance to be promoted by this huge music store in the center of one of the biggest cities in the world. amoeba had become as much of a hangout and a tourist spot. Like I've taken visitors to amoeba based on their request. They come <laughs> and they're like, well, we're going to go Hollywood. Can we stop by amoeba I'm like, yeah, yeah. You have to buy something, but yeah. For me, for, for yeah, me, yeah. Sure. Pay tribute. The collection is insane, but the atmosphere, this like. Airplane hangar filled with hard to find <laughs> items is stunning. The live performances there are also a reason that Amoeba has gained the kind of hip yeah, notoriety. Pretty crazy.
0: Like Paul McCartney played there, speaking of. <laughs> we'll get to.
1: Well, all I say is that he played there. Like I, I was have- saying, The Sage was less for top of the charts performers and more for hot and upcoming artists with talent. Like well, Paul McCartney. Like Paul McCartney, who's an up and coming artist. <laughs> and one day you're going to hear about this Paul McCartney guy. He <laughs> was with this other band for a while. but You heard about George Harrison? They're friends. These two are friends. They grew up together. In like Liver, liver Town? What's uh-huh. it called? In liver liver So yeah, they had like up-and-coming bands with talent but also they had renowned bands and performers that had reached the highest point of their sub-drama and were idolized by the few who loved them but never hit the charts which is way more important because amoeba now exists in the same realm as the troubadour the palladium the roxy the whiskey blah blah blah. they're still like amoeba is part of that whole thing the way wallach's was part of that scene with the way tower was part of that scene. Concerts were, are free there, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. I, don't I mean, think you can't work.
0: fit that many people in. And how me. are you
1: going to kick people out that are already in there and make them pay? So, yeah, I'm well, pretty sure that pay. The biggest performances, let's get to that. Lana Del Rey performed there in 2012. One of my favorite bands... She was in the Beatles. You know that she was Pete Best. <laughs> one of my favorite bands, Yola Tango, did the show there. Oh. The punk band Death played at Amoeba, which was the one that had the documentary about them, Gary Newman, Wanda Jackson, Big Sandy, the Flywright Boys. Maybe the biggest name to step on the Amoeba stage was a former Beatle, like you said, Paul McCartney... Who who? That happened in 2007, and he even released a live recording of that album. Really? Yeah. My two personal experiences, you want to hear about them? Yeah. The Violent Femmes, which mm. is one of my wow. favorite bands. And I got all my friends from high school <laughs> to go with me. We packed a car. I drove everybody. There was a huge line out the door. Yeah. I let everybody off to find parking. It took me 30 minutes to find parking. I came back, and they wouldn't let me inside. So I watched The Violent Femmes from outside without being able to hear them.
0: Quintessential Greg. Yep. Quintessential Greg experience. And
1: here's the other one. Me and Ed went there because Patton Oswalt was going to perform there. <laughs> oh, Mid-day yeah. The oh, weekend. yeah. I remember that. This. <laughs> and i was right up front we got there like 40 minutes early and i was like i gotta see pat and i love i love everything about pat and people start to come around me and there's clapping and Nelson comes out and just at that moment i get lightheaded and i think i'm gonna throw up so i have to walk all the way to the back of amoeba which is the front of the store and i had to take my socks off and like fan myself because i thought i was gonna pass and you out you were walking
0: around the neighborhood yelling daggers daggers daggers, daggers
1: daggers 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 same thing happened at oh hello but i'm not gonna get into yeah. that because we're not doing an episode about ucb
0: anyways i saw glenn hansard and the people from um once oh okay i saw them perform okay that's a pretty good show yeah. and i stood right by the peas
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think the one successful show i did go to i think like the horror pops played there with necromantics and i think i was there for like a little bit of it and then after the show like it's so weird because they'll end the show and then they get off the stage and then you're just like in the yeah. same space because there's buy, like, buy, buy things
0: buy things cattle over there. our, re- all yeah, our records <laughs> over there
1: they also started a really good video series on the website called what's in my bag have you ever seen these no they, they ask popular musicians oh. about what are their gets like when they uh-huh. go to amoeba what are, what's in their bag what are you buying so you get to hear from people like alice bags Slick rick kid koala shannon shaw ice cube fred armison chris nova from nirvana moby the zombies elvira they all have these episodes what, what
0: was wes anderson buying once he's
1: just buying Paul Thomas Anderson movies because he's like, who is this
0: guy? They also I don't know if you mentioned this. They have a online blog sort of thing that like it's like a history blog. Like I, I've used them as research really? sometimes where they they're pretty in depth with like L.A. history for some reason. Oh,
1: I think I've crossed the path one time, but it yeah. was like music related. So I thought it was just music. related. No,
0: no, they've done like I, I mean, maybe they try to tie it into music, but there's certainly been articles about like oil. And <laughs> I don't know why Amoeba is
1: telling me about oil. If they've started a podcast, they would probably be better than us hell did you just say?
0: <laughs> yeah but they'd go bankrupt again.
1: <laughs> not us not, not us because we us. didn't start with money we're in the black <laughs> i think that's good according to the fbi that's listening to us on our, my webcam of my laptop it's good <laughs> yeah so like there's this whole you know you can watch one of your favorite musicians talk about being amoeba and what they buy you can listen to an album that was recorded at amoeba and then you go to amoeba and it's more than just a store at this point it's like a communal experience like yeah. you're you're involved in the music scene if you go and shop at amoeba it's part of the la music scene history now so amoeba hollywood kicks tradition music chains right square in the ass hooray <laughs> all is well no the most negative effect amoeba had was on the long-running independent record stores that populated la like a friend of mine in high school his dad had two record shops in hollywood and they hated amoeba one of them had to close the other one's still open but it's like less of a record shop now because they can't compete with amoeba
0: it's the same thing of oh, i can't believe borders is closed yeah the store that closed destroyed all, the little- all of the other stores yeah. i was thinking that because i had to go buy closing. a book
1: for a Christmas present and I'm like okay there's no more big bookstores anymore not that Barnes I Barnes and Noble I'm not gonna go to Barnes and Noble
0: um, <laughs> you've but- fallen through the cracks we- you're-, you're not digital you're not specialized enough yeah.
1: but because the-, the small record shops we had in our area places like Rockway or Rhino or Aaron's or Tang or Headline their whole essence of operation was offering hard to find records on a much smaller mom and pop scale they couldn't compete with Amoeba plus you also had Napster happening and that other company
0: we can't remember the <laughs> name
1: of <laughs> the death nail for so many small record shops that were barely hanging on after Amoeba went over town so Amoeba Survived because it offered more than just records. It was a scene, it was placed to be seen. So, Amoeba defied trends. Just thinking about Amoeba as in the totality, the first shop opened in 1990 when sales of vinyl records were dying. The second shop opened up in 1997, two years before file sharing software changed the music industry. When disc (laughs) sales were dying. Exactly. Amoeba Hollywood opened right now, it has to survive through streaming music and it's persisted or has it? Mm, So, after all of this, this needs to be said. If you've never been to Amoeba, Uh, better go go. quick. Better (laughs) go quick because this almost 20 year Alley institution is set to be demolished and in its wake will be yet another housing complex the news comes as a huge blow to people who love amoeba and are frankly tired of losing things we love to housing complexes or my favorite ponderia becoming a hipster bakery like we're just tired of that happening tired of things becoming a housing complex just to make room for people who come here in the olympics who are not going to live here they're just going to mm-hmm. stay for a little bit yeah. so everything's become an airbnb and we're going to lose a big chunk of our history because of this petitions were going around to block this move from happening to amoeba but it was stopped short by the owners of amoeba who sold the property in twenty fifteen for thirty four million dollars to whatever GPI companies is. Where Amoeba Music stands now in years to come will be a twenty eight story tower holding two hundred and thirty two residential units and seven thousand 000- Tower of Records. <laughs> <laughs> that housing complex is gonna have like commercial street space, which is okay great but it's not going to be amoeba the city council even had to approve zoning changes it to make mean new arby's <laughs> like they, 28 story arby's the city council even had to approve zoning changes to make this switcheroo happen and apparently amoeba is opening a new spot not too far from its current location and nobody really knows where yet and it's going to have a weed dispensary so now i'm double annoyed <laughs> and since then like echo park and silver lake are now infested with small record shops that are you know so there's no shortage of places that will overcharge you yeah. but we've again are losing a big sense of history here yeah. for nothing well you, you i mean
0: those those small stores, every single one, like there's some in Studio City, but those ones that are kind of like almost more of a clothing store mm-hmm. than a record store yeah. it's crazy the prices yeah.
1: that they are charging for like 60 like I could buy a video game yeah. for this price it's truly insane business plan that only rich kids could do the Portlandia sketch was it two shirts and it's just two girls with, for a commercial for their boutique which has two shirts it's that <laughs> it's just like yeah a small record shop yeah. that has 19 records that are all $60 mm-hmm. and then shirts that they screen printed that are selling for $40 because yeah. they all think that they're Ruka or whatever I mean, we, get, we
0: should start releasing albums <laughs> (laughs) I hear there's big money in it. Let's talk about what your favorite record stores that are still around. Rockaway, apparently, you love. Rockaway.
1: There's a small one in Long Beach. I feel guilty talking about it because it's probably going to close down and become a... Queen Mary headquarters. Yeah, Netflix is going to buy it and turn into a Netflix record store. On 4th Street in Long Beach, in one of the vintage shops, sharing a space is a guy named Big Ed, and he just sells... (laughs) really incredibly when i mean hard to find the most hard to find rockabilly and blues and rhythm and blues cds mm. what's yeah. his name big billy big ed that's probably one of my favorite shops poobah in uh, pasadena is really great yeah. headlines are really good one if you're looking for punk stuff there's another one that we like what is S-
0: it the one in encino oh yeah cd trader, CD trader. is that the one you're thinking yeah, of? CD yeah yeah that's a cool store i haven't been there in a long time but i like um of course because it's right near me but it's also a really cool store freakbeat Freakbeat's records good. yeah it's' Some really hard that's a really cozy place and yeah my favorite record store is the record section at barnes and noble i love it <laughs> it's the final it. section two app. media forms that are <laughs> going out of style <laughs> yeah well
1: yeah yeah yeah, 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 well. yeah well this episode yeah, brought anyway. to you by apple music um, <laughs> i mean this is a story about things swallowing other things swallowing other things swallowing other things in a city that just continually swallows yeah. things well the world
0: spins round and round like a record baby Maybe right round round like round, like round a record, baby round, yeah. round. I just Round. remember,
1: I just remember the chorus for that song, so I could just repeat it. Who knows what music. form we
0: will be listening to music by the end of the decade? My
1: brother got me, he got me AirPods, mm-hmm. and I'm. F- seriously terrified of technology now it's like just gonna yeah. be a the wires are gone now about. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, you sync a thing up in your brain did you think about Jan and Dean no, no the safaris no, <laughs> did yeah. you mean Jan and Dean no well, first of all this made me want to listen to punk again which I did not want to do uh, no interest in listening to <laughs> punk but here we are I'm listening to Alice again part of me is like oh good that Napster came along and it made musicians just like they weren't just pumping out records anymore they had to go back on the road and start performing and yeah. that's kind of good because it like get out there and meet your audience but at the same time you think about people like link ray who are like ancient who still had to perform because they lost all this money look at the rolling they had. stones jesus yeah <laughs>
0: is that why they're still no? i mean the rolling stones must have money but i would imagine they've lost i don't know i mean i don't like, know what, i don't know why prob- the rolling stones they are probably still owe
1: so much money for yeah. everything they've done like like if you're a band that puts on an album you get fronted for the money and yeah. you just go on tour to pay it back yeah
0: i like that uh, we're talking about the rolling stones as if they're like, like a, a security guard who ah! can't retire <laughs> <laughs> but they might be they're probably still going because they make millions of every yeah. time they go on tour but yeah sure. if you're just a everyday like you whatever you know like i'll put out a record and that'll that's be that there's my, for yeah, 10 that my retirement plan nope yeah, no. not anymore yeah
1: the way comedy is with netflix specials right now we're like i'll just put a netflix special and i'll just coast <laughs> yeah. and then in a couple years when comedy tanks again i'm just tanking right now <laughs> certainly is
0: on this podcast the ah! bubble has burst
1: <laughs> has me falling off a cliff
0: just the idea of record stores and talking about them makes me because i have a record player it's not great but i have a record player and thinking like i want to I want to go out and get some hard-to-find records. And I
1: have records, and I never listen to them
0: because it's a hassle.
1: For me, space is an issue with everything, so I can't just put up a record player and start... Because I like playing records. It was one of the first times. And it's also like the only time I'll listen to a record all the way through.
0: Yes, and also when I was in high school, I had to do in my film class or like i think it was i think it was two different classes where my final project was in my film class i did a documentary on the beatles and uh-huh. in my like God. english class it was like a research paper on the beatles so i was listening <laughs> you to just transcript the documentary much. kill two birds with one uh <laughs> this bird can sing kill two birds with mark david Chapman. go ahead kill two birds with one little gun <laughs> i have very fond memories of sitting in my room with my parents old Beatle albums and for like the first time ever using their old record player yeah. and listening to... It wasn't... It was Sgt. Pepper. I was listening oh, to yeah. Sgt. Pepper in its entirety on vinyl. It was great. Like just listening to it, thinking about it and then writing about it. It yeah. was great. Like that's... It's a very... It makes you appreciate it more. Obviously, Obviously. people have said this a million times, yeah. but it is fun. The, the it's <laughs> it yeah. The ritual of it is nice.
1: Yeah. Brand Library in Glendale has a record player that you could just sit and bring your own records and just hmm. sit in a little corner, a little nook and listen yeah. to records. And then they also have records that you could check out there. It's really great. That they do that because so many people don't even have that. Some a lot of people have access to record players; they're not like impossible to buy. But like if it's somebody who just wants to come and like just sit and not own a record player and just listen to one that's available to people. Yeah. Well, you know day. where they got that.
0: Wallach's Music City. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Wallach.
1: Thank you, Mad Men months. If
0: you want to thank us, yes. like you thank Mr. Wallach every night before you go to bed, you could leave us a review on. Apple Music is what it's called. Or if you still use iTunes like we do. Like the, like us two that are yeah. stuck in the cracks <laughs> between two times.
1: We're stuck in the hellhole that is probably 2015. You can uh, find us on there.
0: Leave us some stars mm-hmm. if you want. You can leave us some words as well. Five stars as nights. Nice. It helps us get more noticeable and more legitimate to people.
1: Follow us on Instagram Ellie underscore Meekly or Twitter. We're at Allie Meekly.
0: If you want to send us a listener question or suggestion or comments, want to be uh, some Subject of a field trip episode. Email us on LA.meeklegmail.com. Follow yeah. us
1: on Gmail. You can join us on Patreon to help support us for five dollars a month. We will send you a handwritten postcard from a fun little place. Yeah, handwritten. Emphasis on handwritten. Hey, this <laughs> month we got legible. some autographed ones. We did, and a couple people are going to get something that's not worth money, but it's sentimentally it's nice. Sentimentally
0: nice. However, you are listening to this, I guess some people aren't aware of the different ways you can listen. You can also listen to us on YouTube, mm-hmm. on Spotify, two on very easy
1: ways to pocket listen
0: Pocket Casts, I believe, and
1: Ugh, those are words making up no you can, you can listen. listen to us on hot pockets and uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on
1: chair desk uh you can <laughs> listen to us you can on. listen to us on hot pockets like the fbi does whenever i'm home talking uh, about my neighbors uh, whenever i'm microwaving
0: tinfoil <laughs> you know to throw off the signals <laughs> they say i'm crazy and they're the ones doing it those are all the ways you can help support yeah. us and we hope you have a good start to the year 2020 yeah. i know for me it's certainly going to be better because my neighbors are gone and You're i hope they die neighbor- in the street <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I'm married.
1: You're married and your neighbors are living in a and Jeep And I'm going to start
0: taking up fencing.
1: <laughs> life is looking up. I can't wait to beat this new decade, Daniel, who's going to be so much I, uh, meaner and more conservative. It's going to be a lot more
0: capes in my life. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been a, a yet another episode of LA Meekly, the podcast putting radio out of business since 2013
1: you mean i can't download this
0: radio show what i don't understand how do i listen to your podcast on my model t <laughs> just get youtube oh how many just tons? hook it up to your oven that's where all <laughs> the music's downloaded yeah, that's where the fbi does it <laughs>